Welcome back to the 3rd and 15 podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Timmerman. Uh, before we get going, let me remind you that the 3rd and 15 podcast is brought to you by Cali TV. Folks, have you ever sat down to watch your team's game and you look and it's on one of those channels? You know the channel I'm talking about. The one that you used to get on your streaming platform, but it's not there anymore. And you've probably thought, I'm going to have to get cable again. No, you don't. Because Cali TV has literally every game on every channel, pretty much in the whole country. Uh, $25 a month, no contract, no gimmicks, cancel anytime. It is a great deal. If you're interested, look me up on Twitter at JTIMM684. Find me on Facebook and uh, we, we can get you set up with Cali TV today. So that's the spiel. Let's get into talking about college football. Folks, I told you this weekend was not a fantastic weekend of college football and it really didn't disappoint much, did it? Um, had some had some inklings. Uh, well, you know, you did start out on Wednesday, which was actually before I even got the episode posted. Uh, Coastal Carolina dropped a game to App State at App State. Folks, that has been a tough place to play for decades. A lot of you knew about App State uh, starting when they beat Michigan, uh, what, 15, 20 years ago? Um, but I grew up a Furman fan. I grew up, my dad went to Furman, so I grew up going to Furman games, and App State and Georgia Southern were the big baddies in that conference for years. Um, if you know anything about Southern Conference football now, it's probably wild to think that App State and Georgia Southern were in that conference uh, not really all that long ago. Um, in fact, they left uh, when Mercer moved in. I'm a Mercer alum. They left when Mercer moved in, so less than a decade ago, App State and Georgia Southern were playing the likes of Wofford and uh, VMI and Furman and the Citadel. Uh, VMI actually might not have been in. I think VMI came in with Mercer. But anyway, you get my drift. They were playing some very small programs less than a decade ago, but App State has always been a monstrous place to play, and Coastal Carolina found out all about that and took their first loss to the season. But... Coastal's been on a heck of a run, and I don't anticipate that'll end anytime soon. Um, Cincinnati got a scare from Navy. I watched a little bit of that one. Cincinnati's just an impressive program. They're winning when they have to win. Um, I'm sure that, they, and in fact, it's it's it, it hasn't really hurt them in the rankings. They're still number two in both polls. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if you saw them win another close one like that over an inferior opponent if, you, if they slipped a little bit. I still think everything's there for Cincinnati. Win games, win the conference, you're in the playoffs. Uh, this, this season has worked out really nicely for them, and and they handled it. Desmond Ritter, uh, usual usual impressive game, um, did throw a pick, but he was 18 of 30 for 176 yards and two scores. Um, he also ran five times for six yards, and their running back, I believe his first name is Jerome, Jerome Ford. Uh, he yeah he had. 15 carries for 90 yards and a score. Important thing is, since 91, Oklahoma had the scare put in them by Kansas of all teams. Um, Kansas actually led for a little bit. It was 10 to nothing at halftime. Um, they led 17 to seven in the third, but Oklahoma closes strong, wins 35-23. Caleb Williams, 15 of 20 for 178 yards, two touchdowns and a score. Uh, Kennedy Brooks. Rushed 24 times for 79 yards and two scores. Caleb Williams also added eight carries for 70 yards and a touchdown. That kid looks like the real deal. Um, and they stay unbeaten, stay in the hunt for the playoffs, which is where they've been. You know, Oklahoma hasn't won a title. 
Um, so they don't get the same respect and the same, they don't freak, usually get mentioned in the same breath, definitely as Alabama or, or Clemson. Um, they really don't get the same respect as Ohio State because Ohio State won that title in 2014. They won the first playoff title, and Oklahoma hasn't done that yet. Uh, but Oklahoma's been there every year. They're still in the mix. Um, other than that, Illinois, the big result of the day, nine overtimes. Illinois beats Penn State 20-18. to I'm really glad I didn't watch that game. Reason being, um, if you know how overtime works uh, the in the college in the college game it was 10 to 10 first of all in regulation then it goes to a couple periods of uh, re- the, the regular overtime where they go from 25 yards and they go for, they can go for one well in both of the in two in two of those overtimes uh, Penn State and I or Illinois traded field goals and then it's Three, you have to go for two, and then after a certain point, you only go for two. And let's see if I can f- piece that together. Um, but anyway, uh, long story short, with even with several chances just going for two, the final result was that Illinois and Penn State each only got a two-point conversion in the eighth overtime, and then... Um, Illinois converted their two-point conversion in the ninth overtime when Penn State could not. Uh, Sean Clifford, 19-34 uh, for 165 yards and a touchdown, but that's really not all that much when you consider they were playing for like 19 hours of game time. Um, my goodness. Uh, Penn State, even after four quarters and nine overtimes, only had 227 yards. That's just a pitiful output against Illinois. Uh, I do think with Brett Bielema, Brett Bielema, we saw, um, I think it was when they beat Nebraska in the first week, we saw some signs that that's a well-coached team. He just doesn't have the horses yet. And, and hey, winning a non-overtime t- game against a top-10 team at their place, you know, say what you want to about Penn State putting on a terrible performance. And I will say that. I will say that it was a terrible performance because it was. But also give a lot of credit to Illinois. They're headed the right direction. Even though they're 3-5, and five, I think it is, they've, they've shown some signs of life. Uh, the basketball score, 70-56, to 56, Wake Forest over Army. Folks, to illustrate how ridiculous it is that Wake Forest scored 70 points in a football game, their basketball team averaged 67-ish points a game last year. Now, their basketball game team was terrible, but they did only average 67 points a game. They score 70 points against Army. Well, Wake Forest offense reminds me, and it's actually kind of a fun analogy. Um, it reminds me of those early 2010s Clemson offenses where like, they just score a boat ton of points. They don't really particularly play a whole ton of defense, but they do score a whole bunch of points. Um, they're not scoring quite like that Clemson offense did, but you got 42-10, 41-16, 35-14, 37-17, 37-34, 40-37, and 70-56. So they do put points on the board. Um, and they won. That's what, they, that's what they're trying to do. There's, there's, a, um, there's a void atop the ACC. Clemson lost to Pitt on Saturday. I'm going to get into that a little bit later. But... Um, Wake Forest is doing what they can along with Pitt 
to grab that flag and and be the team that at the very least will represent the ACC in those New Year's Six Bowls. Um, I believe the Orange Bowl is out of the... I don't think the Orange Bowl is one of the semifinals. I can look at that. Um, But... Let's, let's just take a peek at that. I, I don't think that's one of the semifinals, but either way, the ACC is going to have a team in the um, in the New Year's Six. Wake Forest is, is looking like they're probably that team. Uh, no, the Orange Bowl is one of the semifinals, so the, the Peach Bowl looks like where uh, a team like Wake Forest or Pitt would land, and that's a big deal for Wake. That's a big deal. For a lot of these larger programs... Uh, settling for for a lot of these more successful programs, settling for the Peach Bowl that's not a semifinal is like, oh well, you know, it's 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 fine. But for Wake Forest, that's huge. That's how you take that next step and become. Uh, for my sake, I hope Clemson is this is just a one year blip of of mediocrity and really barely mediocrity. Um, but for for Wake Forest, uh, they want to. What I hope is that Clemson's there. And they're back atop the ACC, and Wake Forest can be that team that challenges them in the future. And this is the first step, having a season like this. When that void is there, step up and fill it. Um, Purdue had one week of looking great, and then they lost to Wisconsin. Oklahoma State took the unfortunate loss to Iowa State. Um, Brock Purdy uh, did his thing, 27-33 for 307 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Brees Hall, 21 carries, 70 yards, and a touchdown. Iowa State knocks off Oklahoma State. The dream of, I think, I think, the dream of Bedlam being um, <laughs> Bedlam being back-to-back weeks and perhaps even both teams from Oklahoma making it to the playoffs, that dream is dead. Um, but Oklahoma State is still in front of them. They, they still have a chance. Um, but they need a lot of help. Um, Ole Miss got the win over LSU. Pittsburgh gets the 27-17 win over Clemson. The Clemson offense looks absolutely broken. They continue to take injuries. I honestly don't know how many games Clemson's going to win this year. Um, it's it's really hard to see. The talent is there, uh, sort of. A lot of it's hurt. But it's just really hard to see where Clemson's going to win a bunch of games. Um, and... and even be a semblance of themselves. I mean, at this point, if they didn't make a bowl, I wouldn't be shocked. That's that's where they are. Um, Oregon gets the big win over UCLA. Alabama rolls over Tennessee. Um, 52-24. Tennessee did put up a fight. That was a close game. Um, it was 21-14 at halftime. Tennessee led 14-7 after the first quarter. Even after three quarters, it was only 24-17. And then Alabama puts on the 28-7 fourth quarter to close that one out. Uh, Bryce Young keeps his name in the mix for the Heisman, uh, 31 of 43 for 371 t- yards and two touchdowns. 371 touchdowns, that would be a good, a big day. Hendon Hooker for Tennessee, 19 of 28, 308 or 282 yards, three touchdowns and a score. Big game for him, 12 carries for 26 yards as well. Um, so big game for him. Uh, they put up a fight. They're they're getting there. Uh, but they're just not ready to, to compete with Alabama for four quarters, and that's fine. Not a lot of teams are. Um, Ohio State rolls past Indiana. I thought that might be close. It was not. Um, 
NC State unable to do what um, other teams were able to do. They were unable to to keep maintaining the level of play that we saw when they beat Clemson. Uh, they were unable. They lose to Miami thirty-one to thirty. Miami had a great game from their quarterback, uh, Tyler Van Dyke. He went twenty-five of. 33 for 325 yards and four touchdown passes and they went they beat NC State 31 to 30 kind of salvage of the season a little bit they're still three and four um, but that kind of rounds out the top 25 at least the games I wanted to look at and we're gonna take a quick break and we come back we're gonna look at this week but we're gonna start doing something that I talked about before the season remember if you if you've been listening the whole time I talked about how um, there was this myth that uh, somehow expanding the playoffs would make the regular season mean less. And I'm going to kind of talk about, right after this little quick break, I'm going to talk about how that's a myth and why that's a myth. So don't go far, and let's really get into this after the break. So um, right now we have a four-team playoff in college football. You know that. And... There's been a proposal for a 12-team playoff, and like I've said, one of the things that people talk about when they talk about expanding the playoffs is how expanding the playoffs would uh, make the regular season mean less. And I really don't think that that's the case. And to do that, let's look at this coming week's games. We're talking about the the Halloween Day games for the most part. There are some, or Halloween Eve because um, most of them are on Saturday, October 30th. Uh, Coastal Carolina is still ranked. They do play on Thursday, but they really don't factor into the playoffs right You know now that they've, they've taken a loss. Um, but this week, with a four-team playoff, I count eight games that have playoff ramifications. Obviously, crazy things could happen, and a team like Wake Forest, who's undefeated now, could stay undefeated. Other teams could lose. They could get into the playoffs. But I don't think it's likely. A lot would have to happen for that to be the case. So I see eight games with clear playoff implications. The first one is Saturday at noon on ESPN2, Cincinnati at Tulane. Uh, Cincinnati is 7-0, Tulane is 1-6. Cincinnati should win that. Um, that's not a, you know, mark your calendar, make sure you're watching because I think Cincinnati's going to win by, a, by an awful lot. But, and th- that's an important game for Cincinnati, sort of, because Tulane did first game of the season they hung close with 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 Oklahoma 40 to 35 um so that will be a point of comparison and Ole Miss beat them 61 21 so that Cincinnati needs to put up a big number Uh, they this cannot be a game because there are points they would never admit this but there are people on that committee who do not want to put Cincinnati in the playoffs they want a four-team bracket of Power 5 plus Notre Dame schools, and they don't want Cincinnati there. So if Cincinnati uh, beats Tulane 20-19 um, to 19 or 28-26 or something like that, that will be a weapon used against them to try to keep them out of the playoffs, particularly if a team like Ole Miss wins out and is that that Georgia-type team or, or that Alabama from 2014 team that had the one loss that kept them out of the SEC championship game. Like it's shaking out. If a team like Ole Miss is there and they went 61-21 against um, Tulane and, and Cincinnati went 28-26, 
that could be a weapon used against uh, Cincinnati at that point. So Cincinnati, I'm not saying they have to score 62, but they have to they have to really look impressive against Tulane. I think they will be. But that's the first game that has playoff implications. Michigan, Michigan State, two undefeated teams Saturday at noon on Fox, the big noon kickoff. That's a huge game. Number six versus number eight. The winner of that is in the driver's seat. Of course, the winner of that still also has to play Ohio State, but that team that game has playoff implications. Uh, another noon game on ESPN, Iowa at Wisconsin. Iowa is on the fringe of teams that have a playoff shot. They're 6-1. and one. They took that bad loss to um, Purdue a couple weeks ago, well, on, on the 16th. They're going to have a hard time getting in the playoffs, but they've got the schedule because they're going to play whichever team out of Michigan, Michigan State, and probably Ohio State, whichever team comes out of the West um, or out of the East, Iowa's probably going to be waiting in the in the Big Ten championship game. If they win that, they've got a shot at the playoffs. So I'm counting that. That's another one of the games that has playoff implications. Georgia-Florida. Georgia's the number one team in the country. They're probably going to win that game. I don't see any chance Florida competes. But that's a game that has playoff implications. Georgia loses. Things get a lot wide, a lot more wide open for a lot of teams. Uh, then you, you you got Texas Tech, Oklahoma. Texas Tech just fired their coach. We talked about coaches that were on the hot seat, and he was one of them. Lost his job because he lost that game to Kansas State that I kind of pointed to as a, as a winner keeps their job, loser. Uh, the road gets real rocky, and it's probably, probably going to be time for them to ease on out of town. That's what happened. Uh, Oregon is still very much in the mix. They're hosting Colorado on Saturday. That's a game with playoff implications. Uh, and really, there, there's one more, Penn State, Ohio State, not as big as we thought it would be because Ohio is still the 7:30 game on ABC, but Ohio State is still right there. They win this game. They continue to win. They beat those Michigan schools. They go on and beat Iowa in the Big Ten championship game. They're in the playoffs. The last one that I think really has the playoff implications is Ole Miss-Auburn, 7 o'clock on ESPN. Ole Miss is at Auburn. Ole Miss is number 10 in the country. They've got the loss to Alabama, but I already kind of talked about. They keep winning. They could very easily be that number five team in the country. Let's say Georgia plays Alabama. You know, by that point, let's project that it's Georgia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Alabama. Uh, Alabama loses. Ohio State loses to Iowa. Ole Miss is in the mix, even with that loss to Alabama. Um, so, but that doesn't happen if they lose to Auburn on Saturday. I think Ole Miss wins that one. Auburn is a three-point favorite, so if you're somebody who likes to put a little money on games, I would not recommend it, but I think Ole Miss wins that game, and that would be an upset. Um, so that's the eight games that right now with a four-team playoff have playoff implications. But let's talk about um, what I think would happen is – uh, the 12-team playoff was was proposed, a little recent history lesson. The 12-team playoff was proposed before the Texas and Oklahoma coming to the SEC news broke. That breaks. Uh, there's a lot of speculation as to who may have uh, leaked that. Uh, maybe Texas A&M did, knowing they wouldn't have the support to block that move with a vote. Um, they leaked it because... One of the main motivating factors for the SEC making this edition is the 12-team playoff. 
adding those two teams in a four-team playoff, it helps them some, but they don't get the, the draw really isn't there because now it gets harder for everybody to get in the playoffs. Um, Oklahoma and Texas, most years, whichever is the team is the better of them is going to get in the playoffs. It's been Oklahoma, but if it were Texas, Texas would get in the playoffs. Um, and that's not the case if they come to the SEC. But if there's a 12-team playoff and six at-large slots, the SEC stands to grab a ton of them, particularly if they bring in Oklahoma and Texas. I don't, I'm not going to pretend to know all the politics of this, but I do know that move to the SEC is a lot less enticing for everybody involved if it stays at four teams. And the... Um, the other conferences know that. So the other conferences have kind of banded together and kind of sent a message to the SEC. Hey, listen, we may not be as gung-ho about this if you guys do that. Um, so anyway, that's a little quick history lesson. But let's, I think what may happen is we may see, and this was always a possibility, we may see an eight-team bracket with five of those modified auto bids. If you recall from the... Uh, from our breakdown of the system that I did, I think it was probably my first episode. Um, the 12-team the bracket has six, the top six ranked champions and top six ranked at large. So it's not auto bids. It's not, you know, it, that nobody handed a bid to the Pac-12 and to the Big Ten and to the Big 12 and to the ACC, but those, those conferences and the SEC will have the best chances of having their champion grab one of those bids. Um, I think what we probably see, or could possibly see, is an eight-team bracket where um, you would have five conference champions, three at large, and then you would, and and I don't know what the bracket looks like with, with that. Is it home games and then you go to bowl games after that? I'm not sure. Um, but I think at that point it becomes the, the, the actual ranking becomes less important other than uh, it would be tied to sites. And you would still want to win your uh, you would want to win your conference because winning your conference gives you the best chance to be a top four seed and it makes you, it gives you the best chance to be in. Um, so if there was an 18 bracket with five auto bids, and I think, you would definitely see five auto bids because at least those five power conferences, if we're expanding, are going to want a chance at a guaranteed spot for their members. Which is funny because this year one of them wouldn't get it. Um, but let's look right now. So our top five champions, if we just based on rankings and we just take the top team from each conference, you're looking at UGA, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Oregon. So the, the ACC would be left out at Wake Forest, but Wake Forest game now, like every game for Wake Forest now becomes a playoff game, a, play, a game with playoff implications because they're only a few spots behind Oregon, and if Oregon takes a loss, Wake Forest is the next champion. So now Wake Forest's games become playoff implications. So now we, we, we had eight games that were had playoff implications with four teams. Now let's add one for Wake Forest, all right? And now we can also add bec- um, a couple of more games because Kentucky is only six and one, and Georgia 
Georgia takes two losses down the stretch to, say, Florida and Auburn. Now Kentucky has a chance to win the SEC. They're number 12 in the country, and if Georgia loses twice, Kentucky can sneak in. And because they're number 12, if they keep winning, which would mean wins over Mississippi State, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, New Mexico State, and Louisville, none of that is super impressive, but they're still in the mix that if it, put it this way, if eight teams get in, I'm definitely counting the number 12 team's game as playoff implications. So now Kentucky is somebody that I'm giving, that I'm adding to the my list of games that, that have playoff implications. Let's keep going. Notre Dame. We all know Notre Dame is somebody that the playoff committee likes. They have cachet, but more importantly, the reason they have that cachet is they play this year um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten power five opponents out of their 12 game schedule. Most teams in the country do not play that many. Um, they have wins over their only losses to Cincinnati. So they're the number 11 team in the country. Their only loss is a Cincinnati. I don't think they have a strong enough schedule to get in the, a four-team bracket, but they're definitely a threat to get in an eight-team bracket. So that's another game that has playoff implications this weekend if it's an 11-team or if it's an eight-team bracket. So that brings our total up to 11. We had three games a month from the end of the season. We have three more games with playoff implications. And that's with Alabama and Pitt not playing because both of those teams would would suddenly be in the mix for a playoff spot. Um, I'm trying to see if there's anybody else that I think has a shot. Virginia, I, I, they're not ranked right now, so it'd be hard to see them being one of the top five champions, particularly in this season. Same thing with NC State and the ACC. Um, so that adds three. But now let, let's just for fun, let's do the 12 team bracket. So that again is the top six ranked champions and then six at larges. Let, let, let's play that game. If that if we had that bracket or if we had that system this year, now our six conference champions are UGA, Cincinnati, Ohio or excuse me, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Oregon, and now Wake is an auto bid. We already added their game in. We already added all these other games uh, for, for everybody above Wake. Um, and our six at-larges would be Alabama, Michigan, Michigan State, Iowa, Ole Miss, Notre Dame. Kentucky gets left out in that. But now you got Texas A&M sitting at 14. Um, they're off this week, so they wouldn't add a game. Um and now I'm just talking about teams that can get in on an auto bid. Now you got to bring in Oklahoma State. I did not count Oklahoma State, Kansas, as a game with playoff implications because I don't think it has them. I really think if anybody out of the Big 12 is going to get in, it's going to be Oklahoma. Quite frankly, because for Oklahoma State to get in, they probably have to beat Oklahoma twice, and I don't see that happening. I think what's more likely is that Oklahoma uh, State possibly beats Oklahoma at Bedlam and then Oklahoma wins the, the the conference championship game the next weekend. And then Oklahoma would be in over Oklahoma State. But Oklahoma State at 15, 
with a 12-team bracket, the chance for six at-larges, and the the odds that um, even if – because right now if Oklahoma State loses to Oklahoma at Bedlam and then wins the Big 12, they're still out. But if they do that under the 12-team system, I think they've got a shot. So I'm going to include Oklahoma State-Kansas as a game with playoff implications under the 12-team system. Baylor, same song, second verse. They have a game against Texas on Saturday. Baylor wins that. They're still in the mix to win the Big 12. If they're still in the mix to win the Big 12, they're still in the mix to make the playoffs. Um, so I have to count them. I have to. That, that's, a, that's a game that has playoff implications. Pitt is off this weekend, I believe. Um, no, they play Miami. Again, Miami, Pittsburgh, that's another game that has playoff implications if we're talking about a 12-team playoff. Um, let's keep rolling, baby. Auburn, we already counted them, their old, that old Miss game. But that's another game that goes from one team having playoff playoff shot to two teams having a playoff shot. Um, SMU is next. SMU is a team that cannot get in the playoffs right now. Even though they're undefeated, they do not play enough good teams. They don't have the Indiana and Notre Dame wins on their schedule that Cincinnati has. So even though they're number 19 in the country, even though they're undefeated, even if they beat Cincinnati, I don't think they get in the playoffs. What would help them is that I do believe they would have to they would get the shot at Cincinnati twice. Uh, yeah, cuz that's a one division game, a uh, one division conference. Um, so there's a chance, I guess, that 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 they could end up getting into uh, the playoffs with A with a win, but I, I I don't see it happening. But I do think if SMU were to win out in a 12-team system with an auto bid for the first six champions, if they went out and beat Cincinnati, that's a team that gets into the playoffs. So I'm going to go ahead and say that SMU Houston and in Houston six and one, they would have a chance because if they beat SMU. Who's Houston's loss? Let's look. If um, Houston's loss, probably Cincinnati. No, they lost to Texas Tech, so that's not great. But still, Houston is another team. So that that's another game that, kind of like Ole Miss Auburn, obviously at a different level, where like, and really the, it goes from having neither team have playoff aspirations to if we have a 12-team playoff with six auto bids, and six at-larges, both of those teams have to feel like this is a game where the winner could get to the playoffs. We talked about Penn State, Ohio State. That's a playoff game. Like, I can't add that to the 12-team mix, but I think it suddenly has a possible chance that Penn State can write their season and sneak into the playoffs if they can beat Ohio State. We already included Notre Dame. BYU's kind of shot themselves in the foot. Uh, but Virginia, with a win over BIYU, can start catapulting themselves because they're still in the mix for the ACC. And then San Diego State, Fresno State. Those six conference auto bids, San Diego State, number 21 in the country, they're undefeated. I have to include that game as a playoff implication game because they would have to be looking at, I don't think they can get inside the top 12 where you pretty much have to be to, to be able to be one of the six auto bids or one of the six, excuse me, one of the six um, at-larges, but you start looking at the rankings, you go, okay, if we can get Wake Forest to lose a couple times, 
we keep winning. Um, and that's it. And, and Pitt, if we can get Wake Forest and Pitt to kind of lose some games and we keep winning, we can sneak into the playoffs as that sixth champion. So now you're looking at, with a 12-team bracket, at least 16 games that would have playoff implications. That if you're somebody who really likes college football and you really want to keep track of the teams that could be in the playoffs the way you would with the NFL or the NBA or college basketball or the Major League Baseball, there are now 16 games this weekend alone, a month before the end of the season, that would suddenly have playoff implications. And that's without going into the standings. I mean, if you go into the standings um, in the ACC, you have Wake, NC State, and Clemson, and Louisville, and Florida State all have two losses or less in the conference, which means all of them go, could go on a run uh, and get to the and, and get to the conference title game. And at that point, you don't know where that sixth champion is going to be. On the other side, you get Pitt and Virginia, Miami and Virginia Tech all have two losses or less in the conference. They could all go on a run and get to the playoffs. Um, so any game involving those eight or nine teams technically has playoff implications at this point. Uh, Big Twelve. Uh, that's a little bit of a cleaner conference because the top two only the top two get in. You have Texas, Iowa State, Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma all have two losses or less. Texas is the only two-loss team. You have Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor, and Iowa State all have one loss in the conference. Iowa State has two losses overall. But any of those four teams, if you're talking about a 12-team bracket with six auto bids, they're all in position that if they won the conference, they'd definitely be in in a 12-team bracket. I could do this with every conference. You go from most conferences having one, maybe two teams that have a legit chance at the playoffs to every conference having five or six teams or more that are still in the mix to where, yeah, they need a lot of help, but they have a clear path to the playoffs. And there's a month left in the season. So this is why I say, and listen, maybe you're hearing all this and you're going, oh, dear God, I don't want Iowa State, West Virginia, when Iowa State's the better team and they're five and two. I don't want that having playoff implications. Um, but again, Iowa State's another team. I didn't, I didn't add them or Pittsburgh into the into the mix of playoff teams. I don't think. But maybe you're sitting here and listening. And you're going, oh man, I I don't, I definitely don't want SMU Houston to have playoff implications. I definitely don't want that. And if you're that way, hey, I gotta, res- I disagree with you, but I gotta respect that. That you want only the elite programs in the playoffs that you like that about college football, that the other sports have some teams that aren't the cream, the absolute cream of the crop to get in the playoffs. You want college football to be different. But if you're one of these people who every time somebody talks about expanding the playoffs, you talk about watering down the regular season and making it mean, mean less, I have to tell you that's not true. And just one look at this weekend is proof of that. When you expand from four teams to eight teams, you go from having... Uh, eight games that matter to having 11 games that matter. And that's with a couple of teams that aren't playing, or one team, Alabama's not playing. That's another game that would have playoff implications for, for on both, or, you know, on both of those. But you go from eight to 11. And then if you go to 12, 
you've got at least 16 to 18 games this weekend that would have very clear playoff implications. More regular season games matter. Does that mean, what it does mean is that with with a 12-team playoff, Georgia is already in the playoffs. They don't have enough losses. I mean, yeah, if they lost out and went 7-5, they're out. But they do not have enough losses left on the schedule that they games that they could realistically lose to knock them out of the playoffs. And if they win on Saturday against Florida, they're definitely in because at worst they'd only lose to Auburn and Alabama. They would still probably be inside those six auto bid or six at large bids. Um, and it'd be that'd be all she wrote. They'd be, you know so. Yeah, the rest of Georgia's schedule matters a little bit less. The SEC championship game matters a little less. That game against Auburn uh, matters a little less for Georgia if there's a 12-team playoff. Um, But the games still matter. And all these other games for all these other teams now matter and and now count for the playoffs. So just consider that when you think about uh, the playoff expansion, as we, we know more about what they're going to do, as we know more about how it's going to work, more playoff slots means more teams playing for the pl- vying for the playoffs, which means more regular season games matter. Games that uh, for teams that have already seen their playoff hopes end this year will suddenly have playoff implications. If you want to talk about players uh, caring, if you want to solve one issue that people have of players essentially declaring for the transfer portal midseason, you would see a lot less of that if one loss or two losses didn't mean your your season was essentially over. So, a lot of reasons to like the expanded playoff. I gave you uh, one sort of week, one week's look. I'm not going to go in depth like that every week, but we will check back, and there will be some games that I'll point to week to week uh, over this last month of the season. That hey, here's one that, that you know with the, with an expanded playoff. This is one that would have playoff implications. Just kind of keep that fresh on your mind. So it's been a fun been a fun show, been a fun episode. This is something that matters to me. This is something that's important to me. This is something I like talking about. So I'm glad we got to share in that. Hope you have a fun weekend watching football. There's a lot of good games this weekend. I'll be up in Athens um, with some friends at Friendsgiving. Uh, Jamie Cheek, host of the uh, View from the Couch podcast that I've plugged pretty much every week, and I just did it again. Um, he's he's hosting. Uh, host a Friendsgiving every year and my family goes and we have we just have a good time and we watch the Georgia Florida game so um looking forward to that guys I hope you have a great weekend ladies have a great weekend and we'll do it again next week mm-hmm.